from KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. There's one county in the Portland metro area that's thriving above all others and has become the economic engine for the entire region. And that one county isn't even in Oregon. We're talking about Clark County, home to the city of Vancouver, the fourth largest city in Washington. A new report from the Portland Business Alliance and Echo Northwest, and we talked about this here on Straight Talk a few weeks ago, shows Clark County was the only county that saw significant in-migration or people moving into the county. 14 people every day, and a lot of them are coming from Multnomah County. Multnomah County lost $117 million in income to Clark County between 2019 and 2020. Vancouver has a cool new downtown waterfront that's attracting people and businesses and a long-range comprehensive plan to create a more livable and sustainable city. What's the city's secret? How can it keep the momentum going and avoid the big city problems that come with growth? Our guest tonight is the mayor of Vancouver, Anne McInerney Ogle. Before we meet her, here's a little about her. She was elected mayor in 2018 and re-elected last year. McInerney Ogle is the first woman to serve as mayor of Vancouver. Before being elected mayor, she served on Vancouver's planning commission, then as a city councilwoman and as mayor pro tem. McInerney Ogle was a math teacher for 30 years and taught in Lake Oswego, joining the 70,000 people who commute over the I-5 bridge every day. While she's lived in Vancouver for many years, she's actually originally from Oregon and attended Southern Oregon State College in Ashland. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Vancouver Mayor Ann McInerney Ogle. Thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk. Your first time here. It's yes, great to have you here. Yes, thank you so very much. This about is fun. time. I know. <laughs> it's okay. Well, let's talk about the report from the Portland Business mm -hmm. Alliance and Echo Northwest showing that Vancouver and Clark County were outshining everyone else in the region. What was your reaction to that? I imagine you weren't too surprised. No, um, we've known for a long time that a number of people are coming to Vancouver. We've been growing at f between four and 5,000 a year for a long time. And when they turn in their license and we, they, we see where they're coming from, they kind of keep that data. But it's interesting, it's not just from Multnomah, it's from Washington County, Clackamas, and California and folks that are moving in, I think they want water and greenery. <laughs> They're trying to get away from the drought. They are tired of the dryness. They want to come to the Pacific Northwest. They take a look at our region and make some decision. So we knew that a number of people were coming to the north bank of the Columbia River because of the income tax. So as we, no income tax uh, in no Washington. No income tax in Washington. So there are so many people we believe are taking their pensions, retirements, and coming over to our side. But they want to stay in the region, and that's important for them. Close proximity to PDX, to the mountains, to the river, to the ocean, and family members. So it doesn't surprise us. And while we say that Washington has no income tax in Multnomah County, it has the highest tax in the country except for New York City. So a big mm -hmm. incentive for people to go north of the river. But some people may say this is an opportunity with, with this report for you to talk trash about no. your neighbors to the south. But I understand no. you see the relationship more as a partnership. Absolutely, because as you pointed out, 70,000 people cross that bridge. We need Portland and the entire region to stay healthy. 
economically healthy. We come across, our folks come across for all of the jobs, whether it's out in Beaverton or Hillsboro or Portland or Lake Oswego, Gresham, and the entire region needs to remind themselves that we all move around depending on where we are in our life. If we're moving closer to family members or we have young family members who want to get a little far away from mom and dad <laughs> and find that apartment, but stay in the region, we know how wonderful that is and we have a lot to share. We sh when there's a fire in Oregon, we breathe it. We share water because we have all the underground aquifer recharges, so we share drinking water and everything else. We share resources, problems, and everything else. So no, we're not talking trash about Portland. So we truly are all in this we are. together. We are. You gave your State of the City address earlier this week yes. on Monday. It was your first in-person State of the City in two years. It must have been four years. Four years. It was four years. Wow, yes. well, it must have been so exciting. It what were was. the major themes of your speech? Well, we wanted to try something different, Laurel. And usually, we, I would give the speech, clap, go grab some food, chit-chat, and then leave. We decided this time to make this sh speech shorter. People can look at the document online and everything else, give some of those top accomplishments, then stop, go out, grab some food out of the lobby at the community center, and come back to the round tables. So we had 15, 16 tables, and we invited everyone to come back to talk about the future of Vancouver. So we spent the majority of all that time, an hour and 37 minutes more, talking about what are your dreams for Vancouver? What, is, what do you see the future of Vancouver to be? And so after some of the accomplishments, we put everyone to work. So and you had a stayed. community forum. We did. A lot of people it sounded like they really enjoyed from an article I read in the Columbian. I was so surprised they came back. <laughs> they didn't grab the food and leave. They came back, they sat down, and they really dug into some of those details of homelessness and housing and crime and roads and parks and everything that we need as we plan for the 20-year expansion of Vancouver. We're going to talk a little bit about some okay. of those issues and about the future, but first, let's, well, rest on your laurels, so to speak. What, <laughs> what, what about some of the accomplishments? I know you showed a video. Tell us about some of the big accomplishments in the last couple of years. You can imagine, as you pointed out and on your screen, the waterfront. People think the waterfront just popped right up. It took 17 years for all of that work to happen. And yes, it's, the buildings are going up quickly. But we have the heights. The highest part of Vancouver was an old mall, Tower Mall. And it came for sale, and we decided we didn't want someone to buy it and put it in for storage units. So we purchased it, worked with all eight neighborhoods to figure out what does this new neighborhood look like. If you go to the far east side, all of those old quarries that are along 192nd are filling in. New neighborhoods, new hubs. We have old Hewlett Packard site, which will be a light industrial, a middle school, office space, and different homes. And then up north, Hewlett Packard is building a new research and development campus in a very deep quarry up off of what we call Southeast First. But then, oh, we're so excited. Our voters passed a fire safety 
uh, levy, and so we'll be building new fire stations and hiring new firefighters. But they also passed the Affordable Housing Fund. So you can imagine asking them, would you like to raise your taxes? Here's the purpose, and they said yes, 10 million a year for 10 years. So as we look at homelessness, building our safe stays, our safe parks, building fire stations, all of those are part of this community achievement. And of course, I have to say that um, Chief Mori, our new Vancouver Police Department chief, has his cameras. The body cameras are on all uniformed personnel, even the chief. We'll get them into the cars as soon as the supply chain <laughs> kicks in. That has been such a problem. But we've had a number of different wonderful accomplishments, but it's in the entire community working together to make it happen, and it was happening during the pandemic. We're very fortunate. And let's talk just a minute about the comprehensive plan. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say that sounds a little bit dry, but actually it's uh, very it, important it is. as you look ahead to the next 20 years right. in Vancouver. What's the overall vision? So I ask people, what do you think the population is of Vancouver right now? And I'll get, oh, 50,000, 75,000. We're at 200,000 people. As we move forward, we got the numbers from the county for our Growth Management Act. In 20 years, we need to plan for 450,000 wow, people. Like doubling, more doubling. Doubling, exactly. It could very well be that very soon, because of a number of different annexation opportunities and such, we could be the second largest city in the state of Washington. We have room to grow, grow a little bit into our urban growth area, and definitely growing up because we have 10,000 apartments mostly in the construction pipeline right now from pre-planning conferences with neighborhood associations all the way to construction but individuals will be seeing a different Vancouver and that growth management act that 20-year when you're doubling a population you're looking at more fire stations officers on the road police stations what do the roads look like what does transit look like we have BR bus rapid transit, and we were the first in the region. <laughs> we have the Vine on 4th Plain. We'll have the Vine on, on Mill Plain, a Vine going north and south up to Washington State University campus. But how do you plan transit for 450, nearly a half a million people? Big That's challenge. what we're doing. You, you mentioned annexation. Right. Any plans to annex any of the nearby communities? Well, no. Our, my sister cities uh, would, would chew on me big time. We have an, a monthly dinner. I, I don't want to hear from them. <laughs> no, Steve, we're not going after you. But as you know, in we have, just as Oregon has, we have urban growth areas. And within that, we need to plan when that UGA comes into the city limits. So we'll look at every option and opportunity and explore all of those pieces with all of our partners, but nothing on the books right now. That old blueprint expired some time ago, and we need to bring it back to the surface and have those discussions. Well, with all the excitement and buzz around Vancouver, there are also some serious challenges.
challenges, Absolutely. and you've touched on some of them, crime and homelessness. Right. So I want to start with crime and some a tragic event, really, that's been front and center the last week and a half. There was a vigil this past yes. Sunday at Esther Short Park for 27-year-old Miche Melendez and her 7-year-old daughter. You see the picture here of Layla Stewart of Vancouver. They were found dead in a rural part of Washougal. As of now, this is Thursday afternoon, Miche's boyfriend from Vancouver, still just a person mm -hmm. of interest. No one's mm -hmm. been charged with their murders. Mm -hmm. But you were at the vigil yes. with hundreds of others on Sunday. It must have been very emotional. It was. And it, that heartfelt sadness when you lose a child, it's always one of those things. Uh, and having been in the classroom and been with children for so long, it's hard to know that we lost two beautiful souls. But we have to step back. Our police officers and our sheriff deputies did their job. They went and found both of them, Misha and Layla, and brought them home. Now we need to work with our court system and the prosecuting attorney to find out what happened. How did that happen? Do we have a gap in the process? The county needs to figure those gaps out, work through that, and... And you're talking about the boyfriend who has yes. some domestic violence yes. offenses. And figure out how, what happened at the county level for that to happen? What happened at the court level for that situation? And we can't get into that. We, you know, so... Well, this isn't we'll representative of what's it. happening in Vancouver yes. as far as crime, but yes. along with the growth that you're talking about comes a growth in That's crime. Right. So what is Vancouver doing about trying to keep the public safe? Laurel, we're doing the exact same thing that every city, every mayor, when you look on national news and you see the different mayors talking about the shootings that happen in their community, that could happen to all of us at any time, whether it's in a church or in a school or at City Hall or in a park. And it's not just VPD that needs to take care of it, it's all of us. So we are training all of our citizens and residents and businesses and folks to say, when you hear something, say something. And you'll remember when we go back to schools and on social media, everyone would say, oh gosh, you know, he kind of said that, but I didn't think he meant it. If you see something, say something. If you have a conversation with someone, something's not right, call it in. So we share information back and forth. Portland, Gresham, Beaverton, Hillsborough, all of us share information on what is being seen on social media and we share that information and talk about it. So if there is a protest, who's going to the protest, who's loud and proud and going, and then we prepare for it and we let businesses around that protest know what's going on, a lot of communication a lot of communication so that people can prepare themselves to be safe or lean in and help stop some activity. Let me just touch on the body-worn cameras again because one of the things holding up body cameras in Portland, because mm. they have yet to get the body cameras, the last large metropolitan area mm -hmm. not to have body cameras, is this ability to watch the video footage oh. from the body cameras during before they write reports when right. there have been use of force right. incidents, especially deadly force. City of Portland wants officers not to be able to view that video oh. before they write the reports in use of force and not at all with oh. deadly force. And the union 
insist on it. But that's not a problem in Vancouver. No. In Vancouver, they're able to watch the video absolutely. before they write reports, even when there's use of force or deadly force. Do you stand behind that decision? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But as a teacher, when I was teaching, I would videotape myself to watch was I focused on one side of the room, not the other? How was my language? Was I answering questions well for each of my students? And videos are not scary things. <laughs> so I would want the officer to reflect and review as they write their report. You and I know what I think I saw may not be what actually happened and it's just one perspective from just this view. What is the view from the other side? Because it's usually it's not just one officer's camera, there will be several cameras. And so what is someone else's perspective of what happened? I don't have any problem with an officer viewing the video from his camera or anyone else's camera as they're preparing to write their report. That We're a media world and um, but it's up to those negotiations between Portland, Portland and the Union. Portland, which is holding it's, things up. It's just different. Let me touch on, on homelessness now, because yeah. there was an article in the Columbian that said that the rate of homelessness increased in the yes. state of Washington from 2020 to 2022 by 10%. But in Vancouver, in Clark County, it went up by 31%. Mm -hmm. Much smaller number than in Seattle. I think it mm -hmm. went up from 916 unsheltered people to 1,197. Though you don't have the same problem right. that Portland does. It is growing. It what is. is your approach to trying to address homelessness so it doesn't grow out of control like we've seen in Portland? This is not something that has just happened. In fact, we were looking at the 1919 photos of the I-5 bridge and there are homeless living underneath the bridge 100 plus years ago. The cost of housing is incredible. That is why we are trying to open up as much housing as possible. That's why we're so happy that the voters passed that 10 million a year for 10 years and that we work with the Vancouver Housing Authority that just shared their list of all the different units they're working on. And we're building workforce housing with them in partnership right there on property that the city owns. So that individuals who want to work on that pathway of getting out of a tent into shelter, into housing, can happen. So we have the same problem that every mayor, every city across the nation has. And we were in Japan and they have the same issues too. They handled it a little bit differently with family and churches and such. But if you're going to be in Vancouver and you're homeless, we have services for you. When we come and work with you and talk to you, if you're willing to work on getting into housing, we're right there for you. If not, Sorry. Well, let me ask you about what your policy is about unsanctioned camping, because yep. a woman who works at a grocery store in Vancouver stopped me and said, can you do something about the homelessness? Can you talk to an elected official? Mm -hmm. Well, here you there are, you Mayor, <laughs> about what's happening outside right. my door. She's at 12th and Lincoln downtown, so okay. like western right. downtown. Right. She says she can't get out her front door sometimes, and there's prolific and open drug use. And she said, 
her family's upset. Is, are you working on that yes. area? Yes, so we have what we call the heart team, that's the homeless response team. And at any time she feels threatened, she immediately needs to call 911. The heart team will respond also and take care of that individual, but we're opening a safe stay right in her neck of the woods. There will be no car camping, no camping of any sort within a thousand feet of that safe stay. So, well, I will tell her soon. that. I yes, have, her that. give her my number. Okay, I will. I will do that. Thank you, Mayor. You bet. Well, a big topic for folks in Vancouver and Portland alike is the I-5 bridge and the plan to replace it. We'll get a status report. What the mayor thinks about the plans, plus reports that there's a possibility a new bridge could still have a drawbridge. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Stray Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking with the mayor of Vancouver, Anne McInerney Ogle. Once again, Mayor, welcome to Stray Talk. Thank you, Laurel. We talked at the top of the show about how much you commuted across the I-5 mm -hmm. bridge when you were a teacher in Lake Oswego, right. but living in Vancouver. Now there's a project to replace the bridge. Yes, You're very involved with how critical is this project, in your opinion? Absolutely. <laughs> $36 billion of commodities go across that bridge a year, $121 million every single day. We know that that is again the regional spine of a huge transportation network we absolutely need that and I try to remind people think of pretzel sticks in chocolate pudding because that's what the bridge is it's timbers stuck in mud mm -hmm. it's not steel and concrete in, co in bedrock so when it bounces and if you <laughs> haven't been on the bridge walking it mm -hmm. bounces and when that earthquake happens we will be in a deep world of hurt. So we can do it. We can get this done. Shovel in the dirt 2025, 20, cut that ribbon 2030. What about the reports that a new bridge would still have a drawbridge no, that, that stalls no, everybody? No, 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 no. Not no. gonna happen? We're not going to have that, no. I'm confident that the IBR team will look at the mitigation costs for the three companies upstream and the cost for the drawbridge, whatever type they're looking at. That, doesn't make sense. I, we have a window. It can't be too high for the airplanes, has to be high enough for the ships. But even those three companies up north or upstream from the bridge don't use that lift as people would think. Once in 10 years, that is that that isn't justification to, to have the entire world of Vancouver stop for those opportunities and the cost would be incredible. So we're trying to keep it down <laughs> as much as possible. And even below that six billion, we can do it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Well, you support light rail, which was a sticking point yes. in the last time that we had the replacement bridge project, the Columbia River right. Crossing, right. that was scrapped in 2014. A lot of people in Clark County and Vancouver don't want or didn't want light rail, including then Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler, sure. because they worried one of the reasons they worried about problems more easily being transported from Portland to Vancouver. Why do you want light rail? Well, the Vancouver City Council made that decision when they accepted the locally preferred alternative to bring light rail across the bridge and stop it in Vancouver, downtown Vancouver. Well, 
will be our new hub. So we have three bus rapid transits that will be done, a fourth one already planned before they even put a shovel in the dirt for this. All of our express buses will stop right here. We'll have our local buses and everything else. But what we actually found is when we left the old CRC, 35,000 people moved in to our area and asked us, how can we improve the transit? And so bringing light rail over and stopping it in downtown Vancouver is one of those ways. Okay, we'll have a little bit of time left, but I want to know some of your favorite places in Vancouver. <laughs> when you have guests come, where do you like to take them? Well, Terry and I will walk them, but we'll probably start at the top and just walk from home. Bonnie at Blue Door with her bacon Benny, but then we can go to Doolin's for their Reuben. We can go to Amaro's for risotto. We can go over to Leah's for their full Monty, um, gosh, you go to Elements for scallops, Joe Brown's for well, a seven o'clock breakfast. you've given me a list of things to do now. <laughs> Depends on the day and the time and how hungry you are. Just about 30 seconds for a final thought, Mayor. Vancouver is just one of 38 cities in this region. And we hope that we continue all the partnership of working together for our region, for our transportation. We share individuals. We're players and partners with this entire city and both states. So thank you so very much for the opportunity to kind of share a little bit of our work. When people have a chance, come on over to the waterfront. Well, thank you, Mayor Ann McInerney Ogle, for joining us. Thank you for your service to our community. Join me next week. My guest is the chairman of Nike's Jordan brand and former Trailblazers president Larry Miller. Miller shocked many last year when he revealed in his book, Jump, He'd gunned down a teenager when he was 16 years old and served time in prison. We sit down with Miller and hear why and how he kept that secret all these years, his advice for young people and the changes he'd like to see made to the criminal justice system. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk.